What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about the real live hockey that we just watched. Uh, I am Ben Goats, one of your Golden Knights Review Journal beat writers. Joining me on the other line, as always, is my colleague, David Shane. Dave? How are you doing this fine Thursday? Good. I actually, uh, I actually had to put a sweatshirt on today in the rink. That felt good. So yeah, I wore shorts because you know I'm the confident uh, Minnesotan who thinks he can get away with this stuff. About like halfway through the the practice we watched today, I think I, I overcompensated. <laughs> I was a little bit too cocky. That was not my best move. I'm not going to lie. Well, practice lasted a little longer than I certainly expected. So I, halfway through, I was like, nope, I'm not going to be the uh, tough guy anymore. And I was, uh, I got the haircut too. So up top, it was a little chilly, I got to say, like, especially around the ears. So, you know, but it's good to be back. That's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And the haircut was looking fresh, by the way. So that well, was much appreciated, good. my man. Oh, it's the lovely start of the podcast. We, of course, are talking about the fact that uh, the two of us were just at City National Arena watching the Golden Knights' first rookie camp practice. And those players, of course, will then be heading to Arizona this weekend to take part in a little rookie tournament before the Golden Knights' main training camp happens next week. We're going to talk about kind of our first impressions, what we saw today, as well as a bunch of other Knights and NHL news. Uh, before we get to all that, I just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is presented or brought to you by the Las Vegas Refuge Journal. We were actually presented by Blue Wire. Um, and as always, if you guys could uh, check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com, we're going to have a ton of stuff on the rookie camp on the website. Dave is actually going to be going to Arizona for the tournament. So make sure you're checking out all his content over the weekend. And as always, if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, uh, please do to this one. We would really appreciate it. Uh, we hope you guys keep checking back now that there's hockey to watch and we're kind of getting back in the swing of things. I think you guys are paying attention to the feed. Last week, we had an interview with a prominent uh, Golden Knights prospect uh, who we will probably be talking about during this podcast as well. But we had a lengthy interview uh, with said prospect that I think turned out really well. So really hope you guys uh, check that out and uh, let us know what you think. But for now, we're going to slide back into the news of the day, which was just, hey, we saw hockey again. And uh, I don't know uh, about for you, Dave, we kind of touched on this already, but it, it, it felt pretty cool to see, you know, players going through drills on the ice, goalies stopping shots, forwards and defensemen trying to beat goalies. It was, it felt, felt very right, very cool in um, here mid-September. Yeah, and I know our listeners don't necessarily care about this, but it was nice to actually do an interview and look them in the eye and face-to-face and actually, like, see some of these guys as well, like Manny Viveros and, you know, the players. So, like, that that part of it actually, you know, was was kind of neat, too, to be back and just, you know, be able to look these guys and, and not do it over a Zoom. Yeah, it was so funny because we've been doing Zoom for, obviously – uh, quite a bit now, but um, something that I guess I'll just quick to do is your rookie camp preview story you talked about. It's not just like us that have not had the chance to like interview these guys in person or, you know, kind of put names to faces or whatever. I mean, even the Golden Knights themselves have not really gotten the chance to 
be around these kind of prospects, a lot of them like physically from the last two draft classes. Like, for instance, we talked to uh, Lucas Cormier today, who was a third round pick of the Knights in uh, 2020, had a great junior season last year. Look for a story on him at ReviewJournal.com. But I mean, that's a person that Kelly McCrimmon has not seen live face to face, despite the fact that he's already kind of one of the team's better prospects. I mean, check out where he ranks on one of or Dave's top 10 prospects list that he came out with earlier this summer. But that's what's sort of interesting about this whole rookie camp too, Dave, is that the Knights are actually getting to see these guys kind of in person for the first time, at least a lot of these guys. And that's what makes this, I think, event really interesting. And there just seem to be even kind of sitting away from kind of the Knights front office section a little bit of a buzz that, hey, these guys are actually here and we get to kind of see them and work with them a little bit. I talked to Kelly McCrimmon a little bit yesterday as, as we're recording this on uh, Thursday, I believe. Oh, my days are totally shot. Yeah, Thursday. Um, and that was kind of one of the things that he mentioned. And, you know, I, I sort of took it, you know, like he was being a little casual and, you know, like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Well, like, yeah, of course, you know, you've met him. And then it sort of dawned on me Then I was talking to him more and it was like he's explaining like, no, literally have not seen this kid or this kid or this kid, you know, like talk to him on Zoom or, or whatever. But, you know, normally they would see him at a tournament or, you know, like a showcase um, or even be able to go up and maybe see like his junior game, whoever it might be, or a college game or something like that. You know, Will Nickel, uh, who works in their scouting department, I don't know his title off the top of my head. I apologize. Uh, Director of Player Development. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but Will Nickel does a lot of that where he's talking to, but, but occasionally, you know, on the road, if it, if it fits things, you know, for an example, if they're in Columbus, Kelly McCrimmon will probably go over to Ohio State and try to see Leighton Ahak. Well, you know, like some of these kids and and like they have they've just never been able to do it. So so for a lot of them, you know, Lucas Cormier was one you mentioned. Um, you know, everybody, Zach Dean, you know, Daniil Cheka, everybody from this most recent draft class, uh, it, it, other than video conference zooms and interviews and things like that, like this is, like you said, their first chance to actually shake this kid's hand and say hello. And then, you know, from there, actually watch them again on the ice. Yeah, it makes for a uh, real interesting, like I said, development camp. And we talked to Lucas Cormier today and he was like, this is the first time I've ever been in Las Vegas, period. Because the normal kind of, you know, cycle after you get drafted is usually you get to go to a development camp right afterward then maybe you get to come back for like the rookie camp that the Knights are happening right now and you kind of stick around a little bit in main camp maybe for just a little bit before you get get sent back to uh, your junior team if you're a junior player obviously guys that are kind of in college like uh, Golden Knights prospect Brendan Brisson who plays for Michigan wouldn't go to the rookie camp even in a normal year he's obviously not at rookie camp now because he's on campus at Michigan prepping for his sophomore season but you know you can feel that you know even just having a rookie camp is like a small step back toward a sense of normalcy because this is not something the Knights even had last year they just had a abbreviated training camp to get ready for last season and they really cut down on the number of players they were allowed to invite uh, because everything was you know kind of kept tight because of COVID so 
you know, this is the first time in like basically two years they get to actually look at some of the top prospects in the organization. And so let's talk about uh, some of those guys, at least a little bit. Like we obviously don't want to draw too many uh, conclusions from just one practice specifically, especially because this is the first time for a lot of these guys, they're kind of learning the night system, how the Knights ask their players to uh, play and they're learning how to play with each other as well. So there's a lot going on here that doesn't uh, necessarily mean that we have to go stock up, stock down based on an hour and a half workout or whatever. But uh, was there, you know, kind of things or players that stood out to you today, Dave, as we watched these guys at City National Arena? It's a little bit hard to, you know, judge them off one practice. And I mean, but anyway, one of the things I mentioned to him was every time I looked up, Jack Dugan was like fumbling a puck or, you know, not having, you know, I, I, but what? So Jack Dugan stinks all of a sudden? No, like, I don't know. He had like a couple bad reps, like, you know, whatever. So like, I, I never want to go overboard one way or the other. And, you know, you kind of watch it and it's fun. And, and again, like this is the other thing too. This is our first chance to see a lot of these guys, you know, it's easy to, to go on a Twitter and, you know, see their, their highlight, you know, from the junior team, you know, or whatever it might be, but to actually be able to see them with our own eyes and say, okay, we've heard all the hype, about Lucas Cormier, but okay, now let's see it. Let's give me a baseline. Give me something to judge, you know, the same way that Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and all them are doing. Obviously they are way better at it. They're professionals, but I like to do it too. I like to have some sort of gauge of, of what I'm looking at and all that. So, you know, certainly the, the guys, I think who you expected to pop, you know, probably popped out of that group, you know, a Caden Korzak, you know, a Peyton Krebs, um, even Dugan to some extent, even though I mentioned, you know, he seemed to, to you know, maybe not have the best start to things. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think, I think that, you know, again, the, the guys that you would probably, you know, go into camp and say these are going to be the better players, you know, they were noticeable, I think, the first day for sure. Um, you know, a couple other guys too. Yeah, I think the big thing for me with uh, Krebs and Korzak is just, you could tell that while other guys were really trying to learn kind of, you know, systems or what was being asked of them in different drills, uh, those two guys pretty much knew what they were doing on the ice, which is not like super surprising. Krebs was obviously in the AHL for five games and then spent four games with the Golden Knights. Uh, Korzak, I don't know exactly off the top of my head how many games he got in between. Uh, he had two different AHL stints, one before he had to go back to juniors and then he came back to the AHL after his junior season concluded. But it was just obvious that those two guys were pretty comfortable with what they needed to do and just kind of didn't make many mistakes compared to a lot of the other guys that were kind of learning on the fly, which doesn't mean that they're both going to be you know crushed this season, but it does mean that they're kind of where you would expect in your in their development, I would say. Like, they shouldn't obviously know what they're doing, and it's obviously a very good sign that they right. do. So I got you. I got your back this time. 11 games in the regular season for Caden Korzak, and then I believe all five, right? That was They played five games uh, in the postseason, um, and he had a goal, actually, uh, in the playoffs for Henderson. So, yeah, you would expect them, and that's par- partly what they're there for. You know, uh, they, they're there to be examples. They're there to, you know – kind of show the younger guys, quote unquote, younger, 
um, you know, kind of how things work, how the organization works. I mean, like who were the first two guys to like run the drills, you know, Peyton Krebs, Jack Dugan, you know, all the guys that had been in Henderson. So yeah, it's no, no surprise in, in that regard. And that's what you want to see, you know, coming up in this tournament. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, everybody wanted Cody Glass to just smash, you know, like he was supposed to be the, the first round pick and he was supposed to be dominant and be, you know, go down there and kill it and be ready for camp. And like, you know, he didn't really do that well in, in rookie, certainly uh, in that rookie faceoff tournament a couple of years ago. And, and I remember, you know, asking a little bit and, and Jesse Granger from the athletic, even asking a little bit about, you know, Cody Glass and his struggles and what they're asking him to do in those games and things. So, yeah, you, you know, you take certain things and you want to see Peyton Krebs. You want to see Caden Korzak stand out for the right reasons. You want to see them look basically out of place in a, in a, in a positive way. But if they don't, you know, it's not the, it's not the end of the world. It's just a tournament. It's just a few, you know, games here. And, and I think even Peyton Krebs sort of sort of touched on it there. It's more about kind of gearing up here for main camp for for some of these guys like that. Yeah, it's as a reminder, they'll play uh, three games in Arizona this weekend. The rookies, they'll be coached by the Silver Knights coaching staff. Dave will, of course, be there taking it all in. So make sure to check back uh, to ReviewJournal.com for all that coverage. Uh, we're going to move away from rookie camp now since you guys can be following along with that the rest of the week to some other kind of news that popped up this week. Uh, the first one that happened last night, uh, Dylan Coughlin, he's officially back. He re-signed with the Knights on a two-year deal that has an average annual value of uh, $762,500. Uh, Coughlin was a restricted free agent this offseason. He, of course, made his NHL debut last year, had a hat trick against the Minnesota Wild. That was an extremely memorable game. And then he finished with ultimately six points in 29 games. Um, Kelly McCrimmon has mentioned this off season that, you know, Coughlin is a guy the team wants to make sure they give more games to moving forward, kind of keep him involved. Now that he's kind of officially, you know, in the fold, Dave, what do you kind of think uh, his role is ultimately going to be on this year's team? Well, Pete DeBoer seems to really like him, huh? He's every time we've we've asked about him, he's singing his praises and calls him a world class skater, and and I think he's on board too with really you know trying to get him you know more games. I think there's a lot of people in the organization that feel like Dylan Coughlin right now is an NHL defenseman. I mean, you look at the defense and and what's back. I mean, the top six all returns, so you know from a Jennings trophy winning team, like it's kind of hard to like supplant the, somebody in that top six when they've been pretty darn good back there. Like, you know, what are you going to bump out McNabb, you know, or something like that to get Coglin, you know, on the right side and, you know, put like white cloud with Theodore or something like, I, I don't know. I don't see that necessarily. Maybe it happens, but Right now, I think it's fair to say that you would probably expect Dylan Coughlin to start out as the number seven defenseman and work his way into a good share of games. Maybe they take advantage of his shot, you know, when he's in there on a number two power play, you know, and, and something like that. Like, to me, that's his NHL trait and his NHL skill is his shot. So, you know, try to try to figure out a way to to maximize it. But it'll be an interesting competition. I think with him, you know, he's, 
a solid right now. I think, you know, seventh defenseman, but I, I don't think he really overly excites you. Uh, I think if you're looking at somebody like Caden Korzak, maybe even might be a stretch, but, you know, Peter Deliberatory, you know, if we're kind of going down the organizational depth chart, um, you know, there's even somebody like Jake Bischoff, who Kelly McCrimmon mentioned is injured and not expected to be a training camp. But depending on his timeline and when he returns, he's somebody who's had a cup of coffee in the NHL as well. And, you know, maybe could be somebody that fits in, you know, on those call ups or or maybe, you know, even something more. Who knows? So I think there's some guys that that could push you know, a little bit for that role, depending on as well, if the Knights carry seven or maybe even eight defensemen. I mean, think back to somebody like Brad Hunt, you know, in the role that that he played on that roster, you know, a couple of years ago and and how he fit. There might be room for for somebody else. And maybe that, you know, creates, you know, room for Dylan Coughlin somewhere else. Who knows all that, you know, not to use the Kelly McCrimmon phrase but all that sort of works itself out but long answer short is i think entering training camp at this point you would expect dylan Coglin to be the number seven defenseman yeah and i think just to make it clear i think you know in training camp a lot of times um and we're all guilty of this fan media etc we focus so much on like the opening day roster like the opening night lineup that we forget how many guys are actually going to get opportunities throughout the course of the year. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, the Knights kind of games played chart last season and we're looking, you know, at, okay, Shea Theodore missed three games at one point. Alec Martinez missed three games. Petrangelo, Alex Petrangelo missed 15 games. Uh, Zach Whitecloud missed five games. Braden McNabb uh, missed 15 games. So guys, you know, missed time quite a bit throughout the course of a season, especially with the Knights now going back to kind of the normal 82 game regular season guys are going to go in and out of the lineup. It's just what happens when you play kind of a physical, you know, contact sport like hockey. So, you know, having a young guy that can fill in as kind of the, you know, backup with some upside like Dylan Coughlin has is, you know, not a bad role for him. It's not necessarily, you know, the worst thing that he doesn't have a guaranteed kind of lineup spot on a day-to-day basis, just kind of entering training camp. Uh, because in all likelihood, a spot's going to open up at some point during the year. And maybe for a decent chunk of time, that's just kind of always how it goes. And I think that's just something for everyone to keep in mind as we head into training camp. And obviously, I know you even probably next week, the two of us are going to get together and talk about, you know, training camp battles and uh, who we're excited to see and what, you know, we hope kind of to see in terms of the lines shaking out and stuff. And like you said, it's it's all fluid. This stuff changes kind of minute by minute, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see exactly ultimately how much playing time Dylan Coughlin is able to carve out for himself and what kind of role they end up sticking him in. I just want to jump in really quick too and, and just sort of mention in terms of one, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think he, if, if Keegan Colasar is somebody that they were worried about clearing waivers last year, I think they would have the same concern with, with Dylan Coughlin. So, you know, you figure he's going to be on the roster because he's not going to, you know, I don't think he's going to get through waivers. And then two is it's a, it's a pretty friendly AAV. Like you're talking about a $762,000 cap hit. And that gives them some flexibility. 
to be quite honest. Like they can do some different things. And if they feel like they can get some more games out of, out of Dylan Coughlin, then, you know, maybe they can roll with six defensemen at times on a roster, or, you know, maybe it allows them to do something else down the line. So like you said, we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, anytime a defenseman scores a hat trick, I have a hard time seeing them ultimately passing through every other team unclaimed. Uh, but that does just leave the Knights with one restrictor for Asia now that Coglin has been re-signed. And that, of course, is uh, center Nolan Patrick, who they acquired. Uh, it was like a three-team swap, but ultimately um, they sent out Cody Glass, got Nolan Patrick back. Patrick, of course, was the number two overall pick in the 2017 draft coming out of the Brandon Wheat Kings, who, of course, used to be owned, general managed, and briefly, at times, coached by Knights GM Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, you know, obviously, just you've talked to McCrimmon recently, Dave. Any reason to think that the Patrick contract uh, won't get done as well before training camp starts in about a week? I mean, I guess there's, you know, you never say never. Like, I don't want to say that it couldn't, but... You know, in talking to him and then also like I had a chance to talk to Nolan Patrick's agent for for a minute or two. And, I, you know, I didn't get that sense. Certainly didn't feel like they had this, you know, impending urgency. It felt like everybody just kind of, you know, feels like it'll get done. Um, I know that Nolan Patrick and his camp want to make sure that he's in, you know, in training camp on time. That he's not missing any any days or anything like that. So, you know, we'll see. I would expect, you know, if we don't hear something in the next few days and we get to camp, you know, then I think you start to, you know, ask questions certainly from from our standpoint. And, you know, I think for the general public at that, you know, at that juncture, you you could start to wonder, you know, hey, how long could could or will this go? Yeah, I think the point that you made is a really good one of Patrick basically not wanting to probably miss time in camp because this is obviously a very important year for him. Uh, he was the number two overall pick 2017, but he's now uh, 22 coming off a really, really tough uh, year with the Philadelphia Flyers. He had just uh, nine points in 52 games. And uh, even though plus minus is a very, very flawed stat and you know requires all these kind of nuances, uh, Any time that a player is uh, minus 30 in a single season in plus minus, you know, there's only so many caveats you can attach to it. Like, that's not good. That's not ideal. So this is obviously uh, a huge season for Patrick to kind of bounce back and show that that talent level that, you know, obviously everyone saw in him you know, coming into that draft year uh, is still there. And then he can still produce. And obviously, I think most people think, you know, if he's not going to succeed here under a person who obviously believes in him as much as Kelly McCrimmon does, then it might not happen for him almost uh, anywhere. So it makes sense to me, Dave, and I'm sure you agreed that he does want to make sure he gets to camp and starts off on the right foot, knowing how critical this year could be not only for uh, his present, but his future as well. Yeah, I mean, I think he understands and has even acknowledged you know, at times that this is, you know, a little bit of a crossroads and a, and a key year and a key point, you know, in his career. I do, I do want to just bring up one quick point, like maybe to hammer all this home in terms of, you know, the RFAs and, and should the alarm bells be going off and the timeline, like there are definitely some high profile 
restricted free agents, which is what Nolan Patrick is, in the exact same situation, whether it's you know Quinn Hughes and Elise Patterson in Vancouver, Rasmus Dahlin in Buffalo, K- Kirill Kaprizov in Minnesota, uh, Brady Kachuk, and all like there's a lot, not a lot, but th- there are other players out there in the same situation awaiting a contract. So like in that respect, is it unusual or or whatever for Nolan Patrick to not have, you know, a contract done six or seven days out? Well, maybe a little bit, but you know, you you do take a peek around the league and, and, you know, it's not completely unique. Yeah. And the Knights fans have gone through this as well with Shea Theodore uh, entering the team's second season. And just a quick, you know, give some background on why it kind of works this way is that, if you're a young restricted free agent like Theodore uh, was and Nolan Patrick is, uh, you are a restricted free agent, which means that, you know, a team basically controls your rights, but they're too young to have arbitration, which is where basically there's, you know, a court system where if you don't agree to a contract by a certain date, a court basically helps decide what the team, the player is going to play on that year. You know, Patrick is too young to be eligible to kind of appeal for a new contract that way. So there's nothing essentially forcing these two sides to kind of budge and come together and maybe make some compromises on whatever sort of contract they each want to do until you get to training camp and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well now we have to get this done because there's like a deadline attached. So that's, I think where you see it too with all these kind of higher profile, as Dave mentioned, you know, restricted free agents is that, you know, deadline create deadlines create pressure. You kind of need those pressure points to force these two sides to really get in, you know, not necessarily a room, but get on the phone maybe in the times we're living in and kind of hammer something out. So we'll see if, you know, the looming training camp opening helps those two sides ultimately come together. All right, let's quick talk about some other things. The Knights National TV schedule came out today for those that are interested. They have four games on Turner, three on ESPN, including their opener against Seattle, four on uh, ESPN Plus slash Hulu, and one on ABC, which will be very cool. It's actually against Chicago, so the Knights are going to take on Marc-Andre Fleury on national television. Uh, the other 70 games are going to be on AT&T Sportsnet, which, of course, should be no surprise to people. I bring this up mainly, and of course, people can see the full schedule and what games uh, you know, are going to be on national TV on reviewjournal.com. But to now that we're kind of like on the cusp of like the season actually starting, we were talking about it with a bunch of our colleagues at practice today. You know, just what's your kind of feel on what's it going to be like watching, you know, two new broadcast partners for the NHL this season compared to, you know, I think we all kind of got used to NBC at a certain point for better or worse. People can have differing opinions on what those broadcasts were like, but you know, are you excited about something new, Dave, or are you just kind of more curious about what Turner and ESPN are going to bring to the NHL? No, I'm excited about it. And I think, I mean, to some extent, I think NBC got a little bit of a bad rap and it it sort of feels like maybe a lot of the angst um, that is directed at NBC is actually directed at maybe I'm, I'm thinking of probably three um, personalities that were on that network's broadcast that aren't going to be 
uh, on ESPN or TNT. So from that standpoint, I guess if that's if that's really what the hangup and what people didn't like about NBC, then you know then you know you get an improvement. I think for me, and not to make ESPN into you know some holier than thou sort of cable network and whatever, because I understand that it's got its issues and problems and and all of that. But I, I, I think I grew up with hockey on ESPN and Tom Meese and unfortunately, you know, after he passed away and Gary Thorne doing the announcing and Barry Melrose and like you watch on Sports Center and there would there would be talk about the NHL and there would be highlights and, and things like that. When that contract left, I think that was one of the most detrimental things to just promoting and expanding the NHL um, at that time period. And so to have the exposure that ESPN has, to have that platform and those that many eyes back on hockey and, and have other people talking about it, like, yeah, you know what? We're going to have Stephen A. Smith doing his shtick and all that. But you know what? That's fine. Give me all of it. Yeah, that's cool because that just means that more people are going to be talking about it. And I think that ultimately is is the best thing about this deal for the NHL. Yeah, I was talking to someone about this today. And the biggest thing with especially like ESPN is just ESPN is on everywhere, which I think is just super helpful for the NHL's appeal. Like, I mean, We've done it before where the two of us, if we're on a road trip, will, you know, during the playoffs, we'd go out to restaurants and stuff. And you would have to, like, ask kind of sports bars, like, oh, can you turn, like, this TV to, like, NBCSN or can you find it? Like, I think, you know, at certain points they're, you know, on the USA Network or whatever. Whereas, like, every kind of sports bar or kind of, you know, like, sportsy restaurant just has ESPN on all the time. And so hockey's just going to be on in these places. And I think that's, you know, a pretty kind of cool side effect uh, to this deal for ESPN is it's just going to be seen, as you said, a lot more. And I think, you know, I'm very interested to see how uh, the broadcast ultimately look and everything, but I think it's going to work out well for the NHL. And I especially think the fact that, they're opening with uh, you know a double header that includes the Knights and the Kraken is a pretty pretty smart way to introduce yourself uh, back to NHL fans. Uh, well, think can probably wrap it up there before we dive too deep into some other things because uh, while rookie camp has gotten started and we're seeing players on the ice again, the real stuff is going to start next week when the Golden Knights open up training camp. So we'll of course have so much coverage for you guys uh, both talking about it here. And of course, uh, all our written work will be at reviewjournal.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Just a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. We are presented uh, by Blue Wire. As always, you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. And of course, check out our previous episodes, including a podcast featuring one of the prospects we talked about on this episode a lot that would mean a lot to us and let us know what you guys think Uh, until next time i'm in goats he's dave shane we are the golden edge podcast we'll talk to you guys again real soon